I don't know whether you can hear me or not. Maybe some of what I'm saying will echo through. Welcome back to Trust God Bro, episode 33 and 34. So I'm, I'm breaking this up into two parts, but we have a really special guest today. Um, and I think um, you guys will just be really um, surprised, um, but also I think you guys will be really blessed um, by this person. But this is Gertrude Gammon with us. And um, I first met Gertrude Gammon maybe two years ago, and I knew that you were going to our church and I knew you had a really cool, um, and not just, just cool, but um, you've lived a really faithful life following Jesus. And <laughs> we went to go watch your slides of when you're a missionary in Africa, and she had, she had a bunch of slides. And so she's showing us slides of her life and really cool pictures. Um, re- actually, like really, like I really, I like photography. So, and then I was just marveled at it. It's like you're crossing the river and you got your camera and these cameras have like changed so much. And so I was thinking when I saw that of like, oh wow, how did your camera not get broken? And I asked, did you ever worry that your camera was gonna get broken? And you said, worry? Well, like why worry? It's like the Lord says, don't be anxious in anything. And that's the kind of woman that Gertrude is. She will just spurt Bible out. Um, They say um, Spurgeon blood Bible. And I would advocate that Gertrude does the same. When you meet her, she, if she gets cut, she would bleed Bible. Um, so I, I wanted to serve this as a purpose for two things, just kind of to get to know her. I'm going to ask her a bunch of questions. And um, so I'm going to start off with kind of these like questions, very like maybe shallow, <laughs> of just like, what, what, what do you like? What's, what is the, um, what's your childhood like? And just kind of fun. And then as we go on, we'll get a little bit deeper questions, and you can kind of share some more um, how your life has changed and um, that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for being here, Gertrude. <laughs> so the to start, so you're 98 years old. Yes. Okay. And you graduated from Wheaton College. Yes. And Billy Graham was in your class, right? Not in my class, but he was there. He was, Billy Graham was at Wheaton when you were at Wheaton. Yeah, one day he came in the library and set his books down uh-huh. and looked out the window as though the Lord wanted him to do something for him, and he wanted to do it, and he did, because the Lord kept him so humble huh. and speaking simple words that anybody could understand. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I mean, not many people can say that. They've seen Billy Graham from that way, and um, but not only that. I mean, you went overseas um, into Africa, to, and you translated Bible. Um, you translated the part of the Bible to what language? When did you do that? How long did well, you do that? Uh, the Bible was already translated, but I, the Lord helped to make help make a concordance for okay. the Zulu people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Zulu. Yes, Zulus. Okay, and. Um, I think something you'll also pick up on is that Gertrude is very bright. <laughs> you know, this is not boasting of yourself, but because she gave me a look, she's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Because, um, I mean, just that alone, putting together concordance, and I mean, you're so, you have, you're very with it right now. Not very many other 98-year-olds can have this type of conversation with me, 
So I just say praise the Lord for that. That's right. Yeah. So um, just continuing, um, let's start off with some fun questions here. Gertrude, what's your favorite snack? The Bible. I esteem thy word more than my necessary food. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, okay. Um, where did you grow up? Uh, halfway between Galesburg and Peoria. Route 150 split our farm in two. Uh-huh. Near Laura. Okay. And um, what was your family like growing up? Family? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, how many siblings did you have? I had three, two sisters and one brother. Okay. And the best part was our parents gathered us to every every evening gathered us together uh-huh. to sing a hymn, read the Bible, and kneel down to pray. Okay. So your parents, you were you were Christians, and you would practice family devotions. Um, when did you become a Christian? In uh, 1944. Okay. Okay, 1944. How'd that happen? Oh, that happened. I got to school and uh, someone came and spoke in chapel on the... Uh, it was just amazing why these young people know they're going to heaven. How uh -huh. do they know? Yeah. And uh, uh, someone came and spoke in chapel on and faithfully told us about hell. Yeah. And he said, if anybody wants to stay afterwards, they can. Well, I was just a freshman, and I was a shy country girl. And I, so <laughs> I went back to class, and our teacher was Ari Torrey's daughter. He wrote the book, How to Work for Christ, and yeah. preached in the time of Dwight L. Moody. And uh, she said, where's Mary? Well, she went to see the, the minister. Well, you know the way to heaven, don't you? She didn't even wait for us to answer. She just sure. told us. Oh, my. I didn't know that Jesus did it for us. Huh. When he said it is finished, he finished the work of salvation for us. Oh, she said, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There's no question about yes. it. Yes. Oh, I was so thankful. But I lived a mile away from the college. I was afraid the Lord would come before I got home. And I know when he's coming, he's only going to take those yeah. who received him. And yeah. I knew the teacher wouldn't care. And I just prayed quietly in class and asked the Lord, forgive my sin. Come in and be my Savior. Mm. And he did. He said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. <gasps> oh, the joy but a tremendous burden for those that have been lost that I had been, mm. as I had been for 17 years. Yeah, wow. 17 years old and you came to Christ. No. How mm -hmm. old were you then? Oh, 17? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really cool to hear that. It, it is like a definite answer, I think, when people say, how do you know if you're going to heaven? And I think when you're a Christian, you can say that and be 100% confident. Oh, yeah. Because it's not your own, your own doing. You know, I'm 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 100. I I know I am going to heaven because of Jesus. Yes. And it's a beautiful thing. So, um, thank you for sharing that. So, growing up, um, then you went to college. So, what are some memorable moments in your college time? Um, what 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 things impacted you? Because a lot of my people listening are they are in college or maybe just graduated. Well, it was uh, 
just wondering what to do for the Lord. Yeah. Who'd done so much for me. What would you do on like a like a Saturday night or Friday night? What would you do for fun? Well, you see, I worked in the garden during the week. And so Saturday night I did my lessons for okay. fun. Okay, very cool. Um, so continuing on, what are some of your most favorite books that you've read outside of the Bible? Obviously the Bible's number one. Anything about Christians and their what they did for the Lord? Yeah, like biographies. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Are, do you like Elizabeth Elliot? Yes. You do. Yes. Okay. You like her books? Okay. I feel like when um, I talk to you, I feel like I'm getting a taste. If I if I met Elizabeth Elliot, I bet in a lot of ways you guys would be good friends. <laughs> so, growing up, do you have any favorite childhood memories of? Um, just games you played, or I don't know, is there anything that sticks out to you? Well, it was in the Great Depression. Okay. And our father brought home a a horse from a sale. Uh-huh. Beautiful. We called her Topsy. Sorrel horse with a white star, but she was blind. Mm-hmm. And we noticed, we children noticed when she came in from the pasture, she didn't know where the gate was to get in to get a drink. And she bumped her head on the wooden fence. Oh, we would run out after that. The minute we touched under her chin, she relaxed. Hmm. Now, Topsy didn't know that we were barefooted in the Depression <clears throat> and that her feet took bigger steps than we did and our yeah. heels were bleeding. Oh, but no. love, hope with all things we'd learn. She didn't mean to do it. And if somebody does something that yeah. might hurt us, well... Love, hope, with all things. They didn't mean to do it. They didn't. That helps us. Yeah. So, moving on a little bit, I, I want to hear more about some of your time in Africa. Um, do you think you can share a little bit about what you did, um, what lessons you learned? Um, yes. He that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Jeremiah twenty three twenty eight. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. First Corinthians fifteen thirty four. During school vacations, it was possible to make ten trips to reach the people in their kraals in northern Swaziland. A kraal was a group of huts where one family lives. The men were away working in gold mines. On one trip, Ida, a six year old orphan, and I set out to visit in crawls with Christian ladies there. As we got on the bus, we took a way of salvation tract in their language from the stack we carried and handed to the driver. He looked at it, stood up, turned around, held it up and said, this tells the way to heaven. Huh. Everyone be sure to get one. I asked Ida if she'd ever ridden a bus before. No, she said softly, clinging to our quarter-inch thick plywood seat to keep from bouncing off as the bus vaunted over high bumps and fell into the deep grooves of corrugated red dirt road. On another trek in that bus, when we boarded and handed the driver the track, he exclaimed, here comes the Bible again. This paper explains the way to heaven. Be sure everyone gets one. 
One day a demon-possessed person came falling down a ravine, crashing from one side to the other. That was in, this was in Africa, a demon-possessed person? Yes. Okay. Yes. Coming up onto our mountain, she called out and wild-eyed, give me, give me. They said there were Christians at her call who could bring her to the Lord. I did not know the language well enough at that time. It was 104 degrees inside our house. If we put clothes out to dry, they dried immediately. So we went taking the gospel to people in their huts early in the mornings. Mrs. Mousebird, a created, converted witch doctor and other Christians, loved to go with us. Mrs. Mousebird said before she came to the Lord when the church bell rang, which was a large piece of iron hung in a tree that the people struck, I sat there like a sack of cement. I was bound by chains and didn't know how to break them. One day, returning home, she got to the middle of a river. She was so drunk, she didn't know which side to go to reach home. She managed to hold her baby up so it wouldn't drown. She decided if the Lord showed her the way to go, she would come to him. She did. He did, and she received him. The converted witch doctor said, we were full of mud and dressed in rags, poor, destitute people. We were a thing, animals. If we stick tight to Jesus, we have everlasting life. One day, Kalina prayed, we are going hunting for those who are, will be like us, asking the Lord to help us. She'd found some children to guard her cornfield from monkeys so she could go. One day, King Sabusa, invited our schools in Swaziland. He came to his to his summer to come to his summer palace out in the bush country. A cow was caught to make a fish feast that the teachers were invited to tea. The king came in barefoot, dressed in a large, square, bright colored cotton material tied at his right shoulder and right side. He sat down with tremendous poise one of our students who came with us brought us each a cup, cup of tea. Sabusa never touched his. Kings don't dare to drink for fear of being poisoned unless the king's own taster, whom he knows well, tastes it first. Mm -hmm. He sat there absolutely at ease as though he were drinking just like the rest of us. Suddenly he rose and said, he must go to his council meeting, which was always held at night. He went around the circle, briefly shaking hands with each standing person. When he finally stood in front of me, the Lord helped to say what a joy it was to be in his country. I was so thankful he still stood there listening to hear that the Bible says God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. It's a wonderful gift, exclaimed the king, and then hurried on to his meeting. Maybe he received that gift before he died. His son, when he was, became king, had Christian songs sung at a gathering. There are many vineyards at Cape Town, South Africa. As trains enter Cape Town, people see a very wide, long sign, woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink. 19 Bible study textbooks were translated into Zulu with the help of Christabel, an African Bible student. 
Christabel joyfully said, this is just what the people need. It speaks against witchcraft, ancestor worship, and other sins. These are what they believe. She asked for prayer for her exams. When asked whether the work should be put off during her exam week, she kindly declared emphatically, I would never put it off for anything. You don't know how many blessings I get from this. At a seaport, Durban, there's a missionary rest home where we could take a vacation. At a bus stop there, people were waiting in line to get on when the bus came. So gospel tracts were given to them. One lady, who looked like a tourist from England, thanked so much and said, I might be a Buddhist if it hadn't worked for this. Hmm. The Holy Spirit guided to marry the son of missionaries. His parents were from England and Buffalo, New York. We took gospel tracts in 11 languages to visit hospital patients. One patient at the end of a long corridor in Cape Town said, the doctor says I'm going to die. We said, oh, that's why it's so important to know the way to heaven. Hmm. He said, oh, that's something no one can know. He must never have had a Bible there in Hottentot territory. When he heard the gospel, he so happy, he prayed and asked the Lord to forgive his sin, come in and be his savior, waved to us all the way down the long corridor. Next time we came to visit, his bed was empty, and we thanked the Lord to help us get there in time. Hmm. Hmm. Praise God. Yeah. We use Bible verses to explain salvation, because we're born again by the word of God. It's like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces, Jeremiah 23:29. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Hmm. The people, if you give them something, they take it with both hands. Mm-hmm. They don't eat eggs, they make chickens. Okay. If the snakes don't get them first. They only have meat for special occasion. Meat is tough because they don't eat an animal till it's ox until it's plowed for eight years. In the singing hymns, it's only words written in their little hymn books, no word music to go by. Someone starts the hymn, sometimes two start it on the same note. They sing very loudly. They're used to singing, to shouting across to each other from one mountain to the other to save walking way down the valley and way up on the next mountain to speak to them. A service may be four hours long. They're glad. They've walked many miles to hear God's word. Eating roasted ears of corn along the way so they won't get hungry. And they sing along as they go because snakes will go away. God said, the fear of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, and snakes are afraid of us. They only attack as self-defense, is suddenly startled. The spitting crowbar aims for the eyes. There was a little boy looking for that blessed hope, and one day he came into our house and we realized what had happened. He'd been playing with children in the tall grass, and 
startled a spitting cobra and it spit in his eyes. We put milk in immediately mm -hmm. and that neutralized and I could see very oh, wow. well. There's a little returning, a retaining wall up behind our house to hold it from cracking too much. It did crack some, but that's all right. But I decided to step up there one day to go back. And about three feet away, I saw something moving back and forth. And it was a spitting cobra, and its little tongue was flicking in and out. And the Holy Spirit just helped to back away. And hmm. no injury. Wow. The Zulu people speak with clicks. That's his first, I say, Jesus died for us. Hmm. They build their huts with long grass, and they crawl. you crawl in on your hands and knees, and there aren't any windows. So if you went to visit, you can't knock on grass and be heard, so you use their word for knock, which mm -hmm. is and uh, you stand at the side and you say no, no, and <clears throat> that word in Revelation 33:20, where the Lord says, "I stand at the door and no, no, no. Hmm. yes, yeah. If they're outdoors when you arrive, grinding corn with the upper and nether stones. They won't pay attention to you for a long time because they want you to feel you're not a stranger, but you're part of the family of really? all things. That's a, yes, wow, huh? Well, so after a long time, they'll say, we're seeing each other. Are you still living or are you still well? And their names describe people. He walks like a caterpillar. Signpost leaned over. He's very small. He's a giant. Where should we put her? Their huts were already full. Equinox was born when the sun came over the equator. She is witness, looking for that blessed hope. The longest word in the Zulu Bible is guagungugwatluganiselwa, which means it was the dedication. The next wow. word is of the altar. Where, can I take a picture of that? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a long word. Yeah. Try to say that five times fast. Mm-hmm. Huh. On the trip back to Africa, the, the phone, a trip back to America, the phone plane stopped for gas in the Congo, and many Romanians got on the plane, builders making buildings for a World's Fair. The leader stepped out in the aisle in the front to give them their passports. And I handed them, can be sure, we be sure, a Bible track. Thank you too much, he said. I quickly gave him many tracks so there'd be one for each passport. They got off at Rome and took the gospel tracks back behind the Iron Curtain. One looked to see what it was. Oh, yeah, they're thirsty about this, he said. It's a very good thing for him. He was a Romanian from a Romanian church in Chicago and had gone to Romania the year before. He said, churches are full with people standing outside to hear. I asked if they were preaching the gospel in those services. Yes. I asked, what does the government say? He said, there's not much the government can do because the persecution brings 
more to Christ. And on a bus in London, two nice ladies rode. They were English because one said, where's me glasses, Keith? They both took tracks. Are you American, asked one. Yes, I'm going to heaven and hope you are. Too wicked, she said. So answered, yes, all the sin, but Christ died to save us. And the Lord helped to explain First John 5, 11 to 13. God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He hmm. that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things are written that he may know that ye have eternal life. Hmm. To the those who believe on the Lord. And there was a little Jewish boy on the bus from New York. He was 13 years old. He was found boarding, trying to board a ship to go to England or uh, overseas that morning because his mother had corrected him, he hadn't been thankful. And he got on our bus. In front of him was sitting a man from Czechoslovakia, I believe it was. And across from me was a lady from Eddie Tozer's church in Chicago, and there were the four of us. Really? Yeah. Wow. And that little, the man from Czechoslovakia the Jewish boy interpreted everything. He knew his language, we didn't. And uh, he told us that they got to Nova Scotia and they, there was a great storm and they asked him to pray and he prayed and the Lord stopped the storm. And uh, he said, every mile I get into your country, I feel more free. And uh, the little boy, I asked him if he had a Bible. Mm -hmm. No, he had his school book bag. And uh, pretty soon he said, may I see your Bible? Mm -hmm. Well, we were, it was night by that time and the green glass above the top of the bus made a perfect mirror and I could see that he turned it was pouring over, dedicated to King James, the first page. Hmm. That, so I saw Isaiah 53, he turned right to it. It's a great chapter. And he read it. I said, who's that speaking of? Christ? Jewish people, some would not even mention the name of the Lord. Yes. Wow. He had said, this nut is too hard to crack. Uh-huh. And... I saw him take out his handkerchief and wipe away the tears. Really? He said, you know what I'm going to do when I get to Ohio, where he's going to his uncle, I think it was. I'm going to call my parents, and I'm going to buy a Bible. Hmm. Wow. For for a Jewish person to say that is... Hmm? For a Jewish person yes. to, to read oh, Isaiah 53 and see Jesus yes. is very... That's, you know, it's huge. Uh -huh. Um... He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And, and then here at home, in nursing homes, what an opportunity. Huh. He first asked the administrator, may we visit? And one said, go sailing down the hall. Another said, come as soon as you can. One lady here in Peoria, white-haired lady, 
when she heard the gospel, she said, how did you hear this? I never heard this. Uh -huh. I'm so glad you came, she kept saying. And that day, the Holy Spirit helped her receive the Lord. Hmm. Wow. So everywhere, people are hungry. People are hungry. And we had the food to fill them. And we Lord had the food to fill them. So, um, do you have any other notes you'd like to share? Or is that most of it? So, Gertrude was going through um, a decent amount of just the, her time in, I mean, your whole life, but even Africa, a lot of that time. And So, how many years were you in Africa for? Uh, I retired after 37. Okay, so you spent 37 years in Africa. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Well, we know for whomsoever much is given of him, so much be required, Luke twelve forty eight, and salvation is so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, I taught biology a while up in northern Iowa, and Jonathan Lindell showed slides from his work, I think it was from Nepal. Oh, wonderful. Uh, a sophomore invited me to come to their home for a meal. I remember nothing about that at all, except that as we entered the door, there sat her little grandmother at a sewing machine sewing. And she looked up and said, are you going to be a missionary? Well, I was only majored in botany, so I took some zoology down to the University at Urbana and uh, worked in the botany department. The Christian students met early in the morning during the week to pray. There was a request for our teachers at ETTC, which is in South Africa, the Evangelical Teacher Training College. And I felt I was not capable in English class in high school in Elmo just felt like going through the floor. But when Moses made that excuse, he couldn't talk. God said, who hath made man's mouth? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Hmm. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, that no flesh would glory in his presence. Let him that glorieth glory in the Lord. Mm, it's a great verse. So part of the work was typing Latin names, Quercus Borealis for plants, oak. Well, that didn't help anybody know the way to heaven. Mm -hmm. And I thought all these hours mounting dead plants and labeling, working with dead plants when they're living souls that don't know the way to heaven. Yeah. And then I found out that TEAM, the Evangelical Alliance Mission, was an American mission which was making ETTC possible. And I got an encouraging letter from them that said teachers were still needed. I told my professor I was leaving. What you going to do? Well, I hope to go to South Africa. Oh, don't go there. They'll push you into the sea. Not a very good prospect, especially mm -hmm. you don't know how to swim. Sure. That surely the Lord would help tell one of them, one of him, about him before that might happen. That would, they were thinking at that time that in about five years it would explode there because of the apartheid system. Hmm. Again, God's word encouraged Jeremiah 1, 7, 8, Thou shalt go to all that I will send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. So the professor said, we'll give you several hundred more dollars a year. 
Well, now, 70 years ago, that was much money. And I well, maybe the Lord wants me to earn it and send those who are really capable and send more than one person. But I couldn't find anyone to send. And I wasn't crippled, I wasn't blind. Maybe others were looking for somebody to send who's able, who they're not able to go themselves. But how could I leave my job? Food, clothes I'd need. The Holy Spirit guided Matthew 6, 33. Mm. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things should be added unto you. And they're listed food, drink, and clothes. Yeah. Well, the first service at the Evangelical Teacher Training College, a girl from Johannesburg was converted, and she was so concerned for those in her grandfather's crawl that in vacation time we went there and <clears throat> to have what they called Sunday school every day. And the first day we went over the mountains inviting children to come. And here came a little boy running from a hut and he had roasted baby sparrow. Now the drumstick was only about a half an inch. <laughs> there was some feathers still on it. Huh. It wasn't quite cooked, but it was protein. Yes. And at one place, and another place, uh, uh, it was getting dark, and they said, do you know what you're eating? Well, it had the shape of broccoli, sort of, <laughs> and uh, it felt like. Couldn't see because they didn't have light, electricity. It was getting dark, and, and well, that's cow stomach, because they eat all but the horns and hoofs. Mm -hmm. Everything wow. is useful. Something to drink? Those precious children went over to a mountain and climbed it and found a place where there was spring. It wasn't springing very well. They dug and got what they could. And after it was boiled, we just let the mud settle and then we drank off the top. We'd had our typhoid shots. Clothes, I never bought a dress in Africa. Really? He, no, he provides what he, we need. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. That's amazing. So God cared for thousands of Israelites in the wilderness, 40 years. Their clothes didn't even wear out, and he can easily care for one, and he did. On the first trip to England in 1951 was a girl, Pat. She said she was living such a wicked life with another passenger, sometimes she saw hell. When she heard the gospel, she prayed, asking the Lord to save her. The next morning, she beamingly said, I'm so happy. Last night I just kept thanking Jesus for what he had done for me. And she was up in first class. I applied right away for tourists and you don't go up there. But she said, up there there are two Christian girls. Why didn't they tell me? And I thought, oh, I hope nobody will ever have to say that about me. Mm -hmm and love hope with all things. Maybe they were so busy telling everybody else they mm -hmm. just didn't get to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it took a month to get to ETTC. The motto was every teacher teaching Christ. And the teachers would go out all over the country as head teachers in schools. And then the Lord helped with the aid of many eager students to compile the Bible concordance for the Zulu tribe. A Johannesburg preacher wrote, I'm greeting you in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
we're thanking you for the great good work with this concordance I have found. Verses I've been seeking for a long time, which I couldn't find before. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing um, so much of that. I think I just want to see more of like what makes you, how do you become the way you are? Like, and this I would say is the making of a Christian in Matthew 5 when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. For those that mourn for their sin, that yeah. are broken over their sin. What happens in the life of a Christian is when you see Jesus taking your place on the cross, yeah. it changes you. Oh. Yeah. And I think... Um, a lot of people in America would say they're a Christian, but when you look at their life and you don't see that it's changed, they really haven't believed on it. And believing is the same thing as trusting, you know, you're, you're trusting in something. Um, so I, I mean, it's really cool to see that. I, I don't think <laughs> it was just all, so many things you said just about your life in Africa is really, um, I mean, I want to use the word crazy, but I feel like that's maybe too big. But like, for example, you didn't have any, you didn't buy a single dress in your whole time. No, you see, dear Christians here in America, they sent clothing for girls who were helping make the concordance. Okay. And so I could use some of those. That's wow. how the Lord provided. He yeah. said he would. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, how many people worked on the concordance with you? Oh, quite a few. There were a hundred or so. Huh. A hundred or so. Wow. There's probably people listening, um, and this is more so for myself. I think everyone wants meaning and significance in their life. And I think when, when you look back on your life, do you say, I have lived a full life, I have fought the good fight, I have run the good race? Do you, can you say that? Well, I hope so. You know, George Mueller. Uh -huh. who found all these children living on the streets in England, made homes for them. Yeah. He read the Bible through over a hundred times. Yeah. He said it was fresher every time. So Jesus said, search the scriptures. And so whenever we're free, we can read the Bible and that. Mm -hmm. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Mm -hmm. And they are reading the Bible. Oh, wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shows us how to live. It's precious. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's cool to see your life, how when you said in Peoria, you saw a woman... And you share, you talk to her about the gospel. Like it's, it's not. She says, you know, it's not about what we've done and how you've had that conversation. I think sometimes, for me, I will feel like, oh, I have to be at this certain place to serve God. But you don't have that type of um, mentality, really. If like you, you were in Africa and it's like I'm, I am here. I know I'm supposed to be here. I'm going to serve God. You came back to Peoria. I know I'm supposed to be here. I'm gonna serve God. It, or even when you're doing botany, of like you, you know that like this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do it well. Um, yeah, and so I think that's really cool to see that in your life. It's just to thank the Lord, you know. <laughs> yeah. We Jesus said, "Without me, you can do nothing." Yeah. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Yeah. It's Him doing it. Yeah, it is. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, I think it's just cool. I want myself to emulate that in a way of, um, (laughs) yeah. Um, So think about other questions. So I want to break this up into two parts. So this first part is about um, trusting God in missions, like being a person that is trusting God and the outs, the growth, the, the beautiful flower that comes out of that is service. And the seed to that service is faith in God. And just your life as you talk about that, I think we've seen that. So is there anything else you'd like to share about um, mission-related um, stuff? There was one time uh-huh. when I felt like going home. Really? I don't even remember what it was. But that afternoon, I had a, a little office where we sold Bibles and hymn books and schoolwork, slates for children and things. And um, the little younger children would come out first and to go home. And I think these children were about six years old or so mm-hmm. going past. One little girl stopped at the door. I had never seen her before. Mm-hmm. She said, child of the king, I love you, hmm. and went away. I've huh. never seen her since. Wow. Maybe angels are looking yeah. <laughs> like Huh. And so, yeah, I mean, like during that time, th- did you ever have doubts on like when it was hard and like how did you face difficulties? Like when, when was there ever like a thing happened when you, it was really, I don't know, yeah, hard. Well, pray without ceasing, the Bible uh-huh. says. And Miss Tori told us first thing in the morning, see, seek ye, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First thing in the morning, pray and ask the Lord to help us understand and read the Bible. Now, all day long, if we lose something, the quickest way to find it is ask the Lord to help us. Uh-huh. And then he helps us, and we thank him. Yeah. And then something comes up, now how shall I do this? And we ask the Lord how to do this. He showed us, and we thank him. So uh-huh. just pray okay. without ceasing. Yeah. That does it. Everyone faces those things in their life, and I think, um, I mean, maybe some people have it more difficult than others, um, but everyone has something, you know, that they're going to need to trust God with. Um, yeah, that's cool. So that concludes the part one of my conversation with Gertrude Gammon. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just really fun. And I just have a couple closing takeaways as you think about this conversation. And so the emphasis was on trusting God at, through mission, being a missional person And you can tell that Gertrude has really lived that out no matter where she was at and that she understood that it doesn't have to be someday when I serve God, but it's today that God has redeemed her. And if you believe in Christ, that he's redeemed you. And it's just really funny when I think when I first called Gertrude up to talk to her about doing this podcast Um, And I had to explain it in terms that don't use internet or podcasts, uh, you know. And I was trying to describe, she was like, how can my nephew listen to this? And I was like, all right, well, if he goes to Google and he types this in, 
and I was describing the link, uh, you know, website link, and I was like, anchor dot, yes, dot, and this took probably five minutes to talk about, and <laughs> anchor dot FM, I was like, F, like Frederick, and she was like, oh, F as in faithful, I'm like, yes, yeah, and then um, M, or like, and it took us M, uh, as in marvelous i'm like yeah 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 and then the hard part was the slash trust god bro and that took a while to figure out and i came to i said bro and she was like bro i don't know if i know that word (laughs) and then it's like brother you know like his brother shortened so yeah anyways she was like oh oh i see trust god Bro. And it was the sweetest thing when she said that, and it was really cute. And so, I uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun. And next time we'll be sharing the part two of this. So here's the um, sign off that I had her do with me. And yeah, tune in next week to hear the second part. And so we're, we like to say it together. So um, like I'm gonna count us down like three, two, one, and we can both say, and that's how you trust God, bro. Okay. Oh. Do you think you can do that? Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Three. And that's how you trust God, bro. (laughs) Thank you.